Well, in this season, we have been looking at the many assurances that we have from God, that we have many blessings in Christ that we can take to the bank. We have been looking at the assurances that we have. Uh, We first looked at the assurance of forgiveness of sin, the assurance of salvation, the assurance of victory over sin. Last week, we looked at the assurance of answered prayer. And this morning, we look at something that, again, is very timely, and that is the assurance that we have that God is going to guide us and lead us no matter what situation we find ourselves in if we merely turn to him admitting our need for him seeking his wisdom through the word through prayer uh, and through uh, god's people certainly this is a time in which we need that we're going to be looking at several different passages uh, but our first one and our key guiding passage is found in proverbs chapter 3 verses 5 through 8 hear now the word of the lord Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God shall indeed stand forever. Let's pray. Father, as we continue in this season and this unique time as we seek to walk in a manner that is worthy of our calling, to love you and to love neighbor, uh, in the season that your providence has put before us, we pray that we would meet with you in a special way this morning. Send forth your Holy Spirit. Help us. Help us, Lord, even as we admit our need for guidance and for wisdom. We come boldly before you. We come with confidence because Jesus has said we could, and he has entered in to the true holy of holies. He has gone behind the veil, and our high priest even now intercedes for us before your throne. And so based on what he has done for us and the salvation that you have given to us in him, we come as your children needing direction, and even needing to learn about how we might get direction. So, Lord, be with us, we pray. In the name of Jesus, amen. I don't know about you, but I have found this season to be really stressful. Um, In fact, it's been a unique season of stress because no one has been through something of this magnitude at least in our lifetimes. Um, You know, in these last couple months, I have especially felt my youth. My youth uh, just as a man, my youth uh, as a pastor, especially as I've tried to figure this thing out. Are you in the same boat? You know, even when I try to figure things out, I'm just aware that I can't even begin to grasp the big picture of what's going on. You know, one of the hardest elements of this season is that everything changes, and everything is changing so quickly. The session met again this last Tuesday to consider what we ought to do. What are the plans of the church? What's wise? What glorifies God and what is good for his people? And I, and I began to think about how many times we've met. Since March 10th, including the March 10th meeting, 
we have met six times in two months. Six times. And each time, that's because something major has changed. Well, what are we to do? The good thing is that God promises to give us guidance. God promises to give us guidance as, he, as we seek him. And guess what? He has. Every step of the way, God has guided us. Think about, though our lives have been topsy-turvy over the last two months or three months, it's hard to know how long this season has been. God has not forsaken us. God has been with us every step of the way. Here we are. We are here because God has been faithful in these last couple months to lead us and to guide us. Now, this issue of struggling with knowing what to do, it's not just contained. Uh, it's not just unique to this pandemic. It really is one that we as Christians uh, can bank on, that he will give us uh, guidance and wisdom as we see our need for it, not just in this season, but in every element of our lives, and he promises to give it to us. But as Christians, so oftentimes we struggle with this issue, with this promise, with this assurance that God will guide us, that he will direct us, that he will help us, really for a lot of reasons, but two I want to draw out this morning. The first is based out of fear. The idea that God is going to leave us, that God is going to forsake us, that though God has been with us every step of the way, he's seen us through every catastrophe, every situation, every calamity in the past, this time it's different. This time, he's not going to guide us. This time, he's going to leave us. And the second is that just a lot of times we don't realize our need for guidance, that we don't realize our need for wisdom. We act as if we've got this thing on our own. Well, we're going to look at these two things, kind of frame our time together this morning. And the first is that uh, our fear that God's going to forsake us, that God's going to leave us to our own devices. And let me just say that that is a very common fear for believers. But the, the Bible is very clear on this one. He is not going to do this. Sometimes when we've been let down by people in the past, perhaps even our parents in our childhood or a spouse or even a child, it can begin to make us wary of wondering, is God really going to be there? But, but my friends, he is going to be there. He's going to be there to guide us, and he's going to be there to be with us. You know, so much of our need for guidance and our need for help just comes from, from knowing if someone's going to be there. I remember, and I've shared this with our congregation many times, but there was this long haul at my home on Drexel Road. We moved there when I was, I think, five or six from there. And so I know that I was at least younger than five or six and had this long haul that was, was dark and scary. And I hated to go down the, the, the hall by myself. Why? Because I felt like I was alone. Now, if my mother or my father or my brother, Hart, if one of them was with me, then I wasn't afraid. And so much in our struggle as Christians is forgetting that, that we're, we're not alone. Not only that, not only that, not only that we're not alone, but that our Abba, Father, our Papa, the God of the universe, the one whom we can call our Father, He is the one who is with us, and we have the indwelling Spirit within us. He's not going to take us to a cliff. He's not going to take us to an issue and say, okay, your turn, you take over. I've taken you this far, it's all on you now. But that's not how He works. 
In fact, God is glorified when we are relying on Him. And He is always going to be there for us to rely upon. He's never going to leave us. He is never going to forsake us. Proverbs 3, 5 uh, tells us, it begins, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in the Lord. Trust, rely upon Him, entrust yourself to Him like a, uh, someone who is parachuting out of a plane is trusting in those cords, who is trusting on the parachute. That level of wholehearted, whole person, whole souled dependence upon God is what we need in those times. And the Word of God is very clear. Listen to these promises that we have in His Word about His presence. Isaiah 43, 2. When, not if, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, when you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. Joshua chapter 1, verses 5 and 9. I will not leave you or forsake you. Now that really is putting it where the goats can eat it, isn't it? That's, that's the level I need. I will not leave you or forsake you. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. The Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Psalm 23, 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you're far over there. Call it in help. No. For you are with me. Philippians 4, 5, the Lord is at hand. Matthew 28, 20, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. God's not going to forsake you. What, what decisions do you have before you? What areas do you need guidance for in the future? Are you having a hard time with relationships? Are you struggling under the pressures with this new coronavirus situation? Uh, are your relationships strained because of new pressures? Do you have decisions to make with your job and employment and provision, perhaps even a move? Guess what? God's not going to forsake you. He's not going to lead you. So as we trust in the Lord with all of our heart, we recognize, one, that He is there, and, and then, two, that we need guidance, y'all. We need help. Um, you know the old saying, there, there are none who are as blind as those who cannot see. <laughs> Isn't that kind of funny? Uh, of course people who can't see are blind, and of course those who are blind can't see. But, but isn't that true that so often we just forget how much we need help? That first we must realize that God is there, but God is there, and so we need to avail ourselves of His help. And guess what? He promises to help us. Our passage in Proverbs 3, verse 5, it continues. The next line says, And do not lean on your own understanding. There's a home here in Bruton somewhere. I don't know if it still has it, and I can't remember where it was, but it had, uh, it had a whole front porch roof that was leaning over. And the owners had, had um, propped it up with two two-by-fours. Now, that, that roof was completely dependent upon those two two-by-fours. Now, isn't that usually how, a great picture of usually how we uh, deal with our situations, at least at the beginning, before we fall on our face and have to go to the Lord? 
We are leaning on our own understanding. We are trying to make the decisions based on our own ability to discern what is right and what is needed. The problem is that verse 7 tells us, be not wise in your own eyes. When we are leaning on our own understanding, when we're making decisions based upon what we think we understand apart from God, we are being wise in our own eyes. And when we are wise in our own eyes, that means we are forsaking the wisdom of God. Why do we need guidance? Well, for lots of reasons. One, our understanding is limited in scope. Our understanding is limited in scope. Always this is the way. When we look at a complex situation, a relationship, or a problem, we can only see a small fraction of what is going on. We think we can understand the whole picture, but the reality is we, just, we can just look at one small area and figure it out or try to. It's, it's kind of like with hunting. You know, if you're hunting with a scope and you look down the scope, your rifle, down, look through the scope on your rifle down at the end of the field, you know, it, it helps you see that part. But in doing so, it takes away your vision of everything else in the field. There might be an eight point over there that you've got your scope on, but there's a 12, 12 pointer that's like 500 pounds, the biggest record breaking deer ever, but you can't see it because all you can see is what you see through your scope. Our understanding of the situation is limited in scope. We can't see the big picture, and we need help from God and from others seeing the big picture. But not only is our understanding limited in scope, we can't see the whole picture. It's also limited in depth. Limited in depth. Even when we're looking at a situation, we can't fully understand even that part. Um, if we think about our, our scope illustration here. I have a cheap scope. Now it does everything I need it to uh, for the three, four, five times I try to go hunting a year. Uh, but you know the, the difference between a good scope and a cheap scope really can be seen especially in the last 10 minutes or so right before dark. And that's when the big deer come out. Because a cheap scope will not gather the light and help you to see and understand what you're looking at. A good scope does that. Well, it's like we're using a cheap scope in life. We look at a situation, but we're not able to fully comprehend what we're looking at. We can't gather enough light and understanding of the situation to have a proper understanding of the depth of what is going on. Well, the good news is that God does. I love the words of 1 Kings 8.39 where it tells us about God, for you, you only know the hearts of all the children of mankind. Where we can only see the outside, where we can only guess at motives as we deal with situations, God understands the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Indeed, he knows our words even before they are on our lips. He is omniscient, all-knowing. So he sounds like a pretty good person to go and ask for help. A lot of times we go and ask for help from people because we think they have a better understanding of the situation. But our God who is with us, who is at hand, who will never forsake us and never leave us, he sees it all from every perspective. But there is another problem with our scope as we think about our ability to understand a situation, demonstrating our need for guidance. And that's, that's the, it's not just that our, our field of vision is limited. 
it's not just that our understanding of the situation is, is uh, at best limited, but we are also marred by sin. It's like our scope is actually cracked. And when we look at a situation, we can't even see elements of it because the cracks in the glass. Or it's like our scope is actually uh, poorly sighted in. And if we were to fire, we would be five feet off to the left. Not just off a little bit, but off by a lot. So oftentimes what seems right in our own eyes, what seems wise from a worldly perspective is just straight up foolishness. What happens when we rely on our own understanding, when we lean on our own understanding, when we think we are wise in our own eyes? Think about a few of these illustrations. When people sin against us according to our understanding, and certainly understanding the world, it's okay to sin back against them. Someone yells at you, it's okay to, be, to, to yell back at them. I was driving through the Arby's parking lot, or drive through yesterday, and I asked, I guess it was a silly question, and the, and the lady um, had a little bit of a snarky response. And I felt that pull in my heart to be snarky back to her. It would have felt good, right? Well, that would have been leaning on my own understanding. Yet 1 Peter 3, 9 says, Do not repay evil for evil. I imagine she was just having a hard day. I've had a few of those too in this season, have you? Or when we face fierce temptation and think that no one else will know, and so this time it's really okay. No one will know. And yet Luke 12, 3 says, Therefore whatever you have said in the dark shall be heard in the light, and whatever you have whispered in private rooms shall be proclaimed on the housetops. Or, or it's okay to do this sin just this one time. Just this one time. Galatians 6, 7 says, Whatever you sow, you will also reap. Or perhaps when we think that God won't forgive us for something that we have done. That's a real common thought in our world. I'm too bad. God can't deal with this. And yet Romans 8.1 has that great news for sinners like you and me that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. So as we seek God's guidance, he promises he's going to give it to us. He's going to be there for us to ask it. But we must first realize that we have to forsake our own understanding of the situation, leaning not on our own understanding, being not wise in our own eyes, but trusting in the Lord with all of our hearts, all that we are, as we acknowledge the Lord. That's the next part in Proverbs 3. Verse 6 says, In all your ways, in all your roads, in all your paths, in all your lifestyle, all your decisions, acknowledge Him and he will make straight your paths. You know, we're reminded of Psalm 23 here. He leads us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He is our good shepherd. We have to acknowledge him. That's part of the turning away from our own understanding. We acknowledge him by trusting in him and acknowledging that his ways really are better than my ways, that his commands really are better than what I think I ought to do. Now, let me say this, that when we acknowledge him and he makes straight our paths, that doesn't mean all the decisions are going to be easy or that the results of those decisions aren't going to be costly. Think about martyrs as those who are trusting in Christ and seeking help. Lord, they've told me if I don't denounce you, then I will die. What should I do? Well, guess what happens in that situation? 
you die. He will make straight our paths does not mean that we're going to necessarily get a six-figure salary or, or a pain-free life. We are not promised anywhere in Scripture a pain-free life. But he will guide us through the pain. He will help us as we go through whatever season he calls us to. So how do we seek guidance? Practically, what does that look, look like? Well, the primary place that we find guidance is in God's Word. Psalm 119, verse 105 says this, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So often as we think about the, the trail of life, you know, our faith pilgrimage of trying to make, make sense of what's before us, it seems dark and uncertain. And yet God says that his word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path, showing me which way I ought to go. Which means that the, most of the time, the guidance that which we need is already given to us in Scripture. And so the key to having guidance in seasons in which we are unsure is going to be to prepare for those seasons by having great times in God's Word, of being disciplined, of, of studying His Word and learning His commandments so that we might walk in them, so that we might apply that which we have hidden in our heart to the situation. Now let's talk about the kind of guidance that God's Word gives to us. It tells us what we are to do and what not to do in the sense of what is morally right and wrong. This means that, however that God's Word may not tell us how to work through the awkwardness of being around certain folks, but it tells us how to pray for them, how to love them, and how to be patient with them. It may not tell us how to change our oil, right? It doesn't tell me how to change my, my truck's oil, but it does tell me that I should pay a fair wage to the person that's doing it, that I should not rip them off, that I should be kind to them, and that I should take care of the things that God has given to me. It may not tell us, God may not tell us how long our emotional wounds will take to heal, but God does tell us that he is the great comforter and healer. It may not tell us if we have two great job offers, which one to take, but his word does tell us what we can and can't do. Guess what? Christians can't be thieves. That's not a good job choice for Christians. When we are seeking to acknowledge him in all of our ways, so much of our ability to do so will depend on the degree or not on which our thinking is biblical or not. And the more that we have saturated our lives and our hearts with God's word, we will be given wisdom to deal with a situation. So we seek his guidance through his word, but we also seek his guidance through prayer. James 1.5 makes this really explicit. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. You know, it's not wrong to not know what to do. Ignorance is not a sin. Foolishness is. <laughs> but, but not knowing what to do is not a sin. It is a sin not to seek God's help. It is a sin to rely on our own understanding of the situation. And I love this verse because he says if we pray, and, and later it says we should pray with faith, believing that he's going to give it to us. 
But, but he says he will give wisdom without reproach, without scolding, without giving grief. You don't know what to do? Man, I can't believe that. I can't believe you don't know what to do. This. Well, I guess I'll have to help you this time. That's not how God works. He helps us by his spirit, using his word to give us wisdom. Fundamentally, when we say that we are seeking to trust in God for guidance, we cannot say that we are trusting in God for guidance if we are not at the same time seeking him in his word and prayer. If you say you're trusting him for guidance and you're not spending time in word and prayer and seeking help of the other saints of Christ, then you're not trusting in God. You're not depending on him. Depending and trusting upon him, waiting upon him, these are active terms and they require effort. Seeking him. Well, a lot of the ways that God gives us wisdom through his word and through prayer, but also godly counsel from others. Godly counsel from others. I love what Proverbs 11.44 says. Where there is no guidance, a people falls. But in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. I began my sermon talking about how stressful this season has been. But, you know, I am so blessed to have wonderful officers in this church so that we can make these decisions together. Even Tuesday night as we met as a session, we actually met outside under the overhang, the porcachet, uh, and behind the church. So it was a gorgeous day. And as we sat around, we just had such a spirit of prayer and wisdom that came from the Lord as we sat for a couple hours throwing ideas around and asking questions and showing, uh, you know, um, talking and giving counterpoints. And I was so blessed to have these men who love Jesus and who are godly men who were prepared for this meeting, who had prayed about it, and together we were able to make decisions based uh, for what the church ought to be doing. You know, we should not rob ourselves of the resource of godly men and women in our lives who have walked in the places that we are currently walking. Now, it's true no one's walked through a pandemic like this in our lifetime, but that doesn't mean that there aren't people in your life or in our congregation of many different generations who haven't seen even harder times. There are many who have struggled with provision, many who have lost their jobs, many who have felt despondent, many who have faced anxiety and depression. They have walked those paths before and they have seen God provide for them. Should we not also use them? Use them as a resource. Hey, I'm really struggling with this. Will you pray with me and perhaps just hear what I'm going through and help me see what ought to do? God has given us godly men and women, especially those who are older than us, to help us to see what we ought to do. Let me read our passage again. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. And here's the phrase we hadn't dealt with yet. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Our passage ends with an implied warning that we are to turn away from evil. You know, we should be wary when we seem to be smart in our own eyes, and we're trusting in our own understanding. 
The world would have you believe that when you die, everything comes to a screeching halt and there's just darkness or void or nothingness. The world, leaning on its own understanding, would say that what you do in this life or what you believe in this life has no bearing on what comes next in eternity. But here we acknowledge the Lord. We repent of being wise in our own eyes. Instead, we trust upon him because his, God, because his word says that man is appointed to die one time, and then comes the judgment. This life really is setting the stage for all of eternity, and whether we reject Christ or accept Christ in this life, we'll have a bearing, an irrevocable bearing, an unchangeable bearing upon our death of where we will spend eternity. If you think you can save yourself, if you think that, that you can be good enough in order to get into heaven, then I call upon you to realize that you're not to be wise in your own eyes, but to acknowledge the Lord, because he says that is the way to hell and not to heaven. The only way to salvation is through accepting Christ as your Lord and Savior, who has already done everything that is required for salvation. He has paid the penalty for our sins. He has lived the life that, that we should have lived, and He has been raised from the dead, displaying for all of creation that He is God. Salvation can be found only in Him. And here is the connection between wisdom and salvation. 1 Corinthians 1.24, the Holy Spirit calls Jesus Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. Where is wisdom most clearly displayed in all of history? Something that looks like foolishness from our perspective, and that is at the cross of Jesus. That the God of the universe himself the one against whom all transgressions have been done, that he himself would enter into this world taking on flesh and dying at the hands of evil men so that you and I might have salvation. My friends, from a worldly perspective, that sounds like foolishness. But it is the wisdom of God because we can't do it. We can't earn our way to heaven. We can't uh, make God love us. Christ has fulfilled all that is needed. He has done what the law cannot do. That if we trust in him, we can have eternal life now and forever. I do hope you know that. Be not wise in your own eyes in all areas of life, but especially when it comes to salvation. I do pray that you will know Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. Let's pray. Father, help us. And give us guidance in this season to know how to navigate this crazy time. We know that while uh, we don't understand the situation because our scope is limited, we can't understand even what we're looking at. And so often our understanding is marred by sin. We know that you know all things and you have decreed the end from the beginning. Lord, help us to depend upon you more to seek you that we might glorify you in all that we do. We pray these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.